welcome to Shout Out, Alpha Composite and Into Your Ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm supposed to be Andy Shilton. <laughs> and I'm doing a terrible impression of Steffi Barnett on today's show, Blood Glorious Blood. Um, and being queer, pan, poly and Muslim during Ramadan. We speak to Sajid about her life and one particular word. All that and more today on Shout Out. I think we have a slight echo, do we not? I don't know. Oh, we do have a very slight echo. Uh-oh, we're not recording from all coming live from a cave today, so I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> well, um, I think we move um, swiftly on, actually. We've got a lot to talk about because there's a lot in the news currently. Um, but we will move on now because of this act. Unfortunately, this is a, an emergency show. We're not actually in the uh, our usual studios. Um, there's been a, a slight accident with a with a sewage pipe. Now, as you're aware, it's Ramadan. Starts when the new moon first appears in the night sky. Full moon marks the middle of Ramadan as the moon wanes to the other side. Ramadan finishes. Ramadan started after sunset on Friday the 1st of April, with Sunday the 1st of May being the last day of fasting. Ramadan is a month of fasting and abstaining from things considered to be impure for the mind and body. Fasting during Ramadan is one of the five pillars of Islam. It was ordered in the Quran and is expected that all able Muslims, those who are mature and in good health, should fast from sunrise to sunset during the month of Ramadan. It's a time when Muslims abstain from food, drink and impure thoughts between the hours of sunrise and sunset, allowing them instead to focus on prayer and connecting with Allah. The act of fasting allows the individual to understand the pain and suffering of millions around the world who live their lives in poverty and famine, leaving the participant feeling more grounded and grateful for all that Allah has given them. At the close of the month, donations during Ramadan are made and then Eid is celebrated with loved ones. Eid is a great time of feasting and celebration for Muslims with gifts exchanged between loved ones. During this time, fasting is more than just abstinence. It's a means of worship and for Muslims to feel a closer and deeper connection with Allah. Fasting allows each individual to understand what it means to go without and to learn patience with oneself and for those around them as well as compassion for those less fortunate. During Eid, Muslims are not only celebrating the end of fasting, but thanking Allah for the strength he gave them throughout the previous month. Mosques hold special services and a special meal is eaten during daytime, the first daytime meal for a month. Taruj Ashad, an openly queer Muslim woman, the holy month of Ramadan is about navigating the intersection of the Muslim and LGBTQIA plus community. She said Ramadan means having community and being able to celebrate in community with each other and finding ways to be together as LGBTQI plus Muslims. Ashad, an LGBTQ Muslim expert and the director of international LGBTQ youth health and rights programs at Advocates for Youth, told HRC, I had to figure out how to connect to LGBTQ Muslim identities in an authentic way myself. I wish that what folks would have told me when I was younger is that it is a process and that reconciliation, not just around your own sense of who you are in your faith, is a long-term process and also reconciliation in your family is a long-term process as well. 
Many Muslims, especially LGBTQI plus Muslims, struggle to find their place within the Muslim community. Creating an inclusive space for LGBTQ Muslims has been at the heart of Ashad's work. She encourages LGBTQ Muslims to find their space, including through gender-neutral prayer spaces or online. I think that if folks are lucky enough to be in community with other LGBTQ Muslims, to find and use that as a resource to connect with other LGBTQ Muslims as much as possible, because that can really lift the burden off the sense of isolation, she said. If you are Muslim and LGBTQI+, please check out hidayahlgbt.com. They're there to support and bring together queer Muslims. It may be that Ramadan is creating a time for introspection and reflection, but you may also be feeling isolated, so know that there are other LGBTQI plus Muslims out there who may be going through similar things to you. Hadea means guidance, and through their work they support and serve queer Muslims in the UK, the USA and across the world. They promote social justice and education about the Muslim communities to counter discrimination, prejudice and injustice. May the holy month of Ramadan bring you peace, happiness and hope. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. And there's the title, Everything Switch Disco. Can you remember like the last disco? time I heard that? No. That's, um, if you're wondering why there's only two voices and not the cast of thousands it's that shout out It's not just because you. we love our own voice, which I do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's what, Sorry, sorry, Steph. What, what's the reason? Um, we're not in the studio. There was a last-minute <laughs> cancellation because the building that our studio's in um, has had a, a ruptured pipe. Oh, sounds painful. Um, and smelly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I must apologise for the echo. Uh, the start of the show, um, we were having a, a loop round, uh, but we've solved that while you were listening to that track. And, <laughs> Not to be confused uh, with the whip round. Uh, exactly, <laughs> yes, yeah, because we cannot afford a whip round. <laughs> Isn't that why people do them? <laughs> Well, because we kind of, well, between ourselves. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> Good evening to the team. We're obviously all listening in. Uh, we're remoting from my home studio uh, that I do my other shows with. Shout out is usually done live at the, the uh, BCFM studios in Bristol. So we're actually um, live from Bath currently. And um, Do you have to say it like that so, so that the listeners can um, definitely know that we're not in Bristol? Well, to be able to move to Bath, you have to say Bath. Oh, right. Like, yeah. like the lift yeah. does. Third well, floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's an, eastern, it's an eastern suburb of Bristol. Everyone knows that. So Oof. it's a burp. Okay. Oh, we're going to go straight to hell for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so good evening to Andy Shelton and Andy Hole and um, poor Terry, who actually got to the studios he before he found his messages. Um, so he's on the bus listening on his way back home. So apologies, Terry. And uh, the whole team will be back next week, um, as per usual. <laughs> as per usual. Yep. Now, a yes. very interesting interview mm. that I had because it's Ramadan and um, I have to thank Hidea for this one. Now, Hidea are across uh, the UK and they have offices in, in Bristol, but they're also now in the USA. And um, I caught up with uh, um, Sadija and um, they've got such an interesting story. And um, here's that story now. 
Right, Ramadan is with us again, and it comes around so quick, but as listeners shout out, we'll know that we always celebrate and have guests um, to celebrate Ramadan on the show. We're going quite um, far flung this week, and um, we're going to Missouri. Um, now, your background is uh, you're Muslim of faith, yeah. and uh, but but you're also uh, Jewish. Yeah, okay. I'm ethnically Jewish. D- did you find a conflict in in growing up? I don't really. Do you mean like with my faith being Islam? Yes. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. Well, I I didn't become Muslim until um, 2016, but before that, I kind of always knew that I would be Muslim. Okay. Because I believed. That Muhammad was a prophet, mm-hmm. um, I never really found any conflict with it. Um, I grew up in a mixed religion home. My mom was Jewish. My dad was uh, raised Catholic. So oh, wow. um, I grew up learning about all different kinds of religions and yeah. seeing their similarities and their differences. And mm. I'm free to choose. Kind of fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is always good. Now, how do you identify um, within the LGBTQIA spectrum? Um, most of the time, I just say queer because I have so many identities. Um, I'm asexual. I'm panromantic, and um, I'm polyamorous and kink positive, and all kinds of different things thrown in. There's subcategories upon subcategories, so mm. I usually just say queer. <laughs> okay, that's uh, nice and simple. Uh, yeah. Now, um, for quite a while, we had um, Hidea giving them a voice on shout out once a month with their their my five slot, and they they were so confident about having no conflict between the, the religion and their sexual sexuality or gender. Do you find? Do you feel quite comfortable? I do. I do. The only thing that sometimes I feel. Um, some concern about is the fact that I am polyamorous. Um, that's something that is harder to navigate, but you know, Allahu alam, I just, you know, I leave everything to God and I pray on it. And, um, you know, I just do the best I can. And I think that's all that we can do. Yes. Same as the rest of us. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a word that, um, kept popping up when I was uh, doing research of this um, that relates to LGBTQIA. Mucha Natun. You say it properly. Thank you very much. Mucha Natun, yeah. (laughs) The meaning of that seems quite varied uh, on not just the the time period, but also the country. So, Mucha means an effeminate man or effeminate boy. And it was used for a variety of different groups of people. They didn't put like specific words like we have, um, where we have trans women and we have gay men and we have people who are intersex. Instead, they were just like, okay, this person was um, assigned male at birth or assigned intersex at birth because they there were cases of that. Um, they were raised as a boy but they are effeminate. They choose to live femininely. And so Mohenith encompasses all of these things of anyone who was um, born assigned male at birth and has a more feminine 
presentation, whether they be um, a woman gender wise, whether they be femme non-binary um, or whether they just be a gay man, because that was also considered effeminate because they were with men romantically. How do you feel being in, in the United States? Do you feel safe and secure? No, no, I don't. Okay. Unfortunately not. Yeah, that's, that's very sad. I, I guess people just see you as, as Muslim first and don't even get as far as the person behind the glasses uh, and the face. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because I cover my face in public, even before the pandemic, you know, people like to make assumptions. Um, yeah. They can be quite hurtful. You know, alhamdulillah, I haven't had very many, like, attacks or confrontations but I have had a few and they definitely shook me. Is your life quite full though, other than that in, in the United States? It is. It is now. Alhamdulillah. Um, I, about a year or so ago, went through a divorce and now the people that I have in my life are incredibly supportive, incredibly loving. Um, they help me to elevate my practice of Islam. They help me to be a better person. They love me unconditionally. And it's honestly something that I never thought that I would find. Mm. I'm very, very grateful that I have that now. That's nice to hear. Um, Was the divorce very difficult um, being that um, you're Muslim? Well, my husband at the time was not Muslim. It was just difficult emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, we both agreed that it needed to happen. Our relationship was not healthy. It was very toxic, but it still hurt, you know, but you know, I put my faith in Allah. I, I know that he has a plan for me and that is the best plan. And, you know, his plan included me meeting this person, spending eight years of my life with them and then moving on. Um, and I've grown as a person because of that. Mm. Is education of um, queer Muslims, as in queer organizations, uh, to back you up and give you support? In the United States, it's pretty lacking. Hidayah, the U.S. chapter, um, has only existed for a little bit now. Um, We're working on our 5013C, which is our um, nonprofit organization status. Um, There are a couple of mosques, one of which I started that are available for queer Muslims. And there's maybe a very small handful of social groups. And there's a couple of organizations that help with queer Muslims that aren't from the United States um, getting refugee or asylum status here. I actually recently went through and made, like, edited and made an entire list of all the organizations in the United States, the UK, France, um, MENA, so like, Um, Middle East, North America, or I mean, North Africa, I'm sorry, um, as well as some other uh, African countries, made a list of all of the LGBT organizations that I could find, both for just queer people in general and queer Muslims. And unfortunately, a lot of places are lacking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But we do our best. (laughs) Yes. Good. Good. And um, from small acorns. 
Is there any conflict within um, queer Muslim groups between male and female? Because there's quite strict adherence, isn't there, in a lot of cultures that are Muslim? Right. So in uh, in Islam, usually people try to remain separate by um, gender. Um, and it's to lower uh, what is called fitna in Arabic. It means like temptation. But I wouldn't say necessarily that there's conflict Okay, how does that uh, work, work though with with gay men and trans women, trans men? Honestly, I feel like that goes on comfort level. So personally for me, once somebody has transitioned socially, the moment that they say, I'm, I'm a woman, I was born in the wrong body, I'm, I'm actually a woman. I'm like, okay, I don't have to cover around you. You know, um, the only reason I'm wearing hijab right now is because I wasn't sure if anyone else was going to be on the Zoom call and if they were okay. mask presenting or not. Okay. Um, and then if someone is um, mask presenting, I cover around them. And then when it comes to people who are, for instance, for me, like someone who's lesbian, then it's up to my comfort level. Mm. If I want to cover around them or not, if I feel like maybe they're attracted to me, I would cover my hair because I would not consider it appropriate for them to see it unless we were in a relationship. Okay. Do you find some mosques, though, won't accept LGBTQIA people, that they interpret maybe the the Quran slightly differently? Absolutely. And that's a lot because of, um, you know, Western voices changed the translation in the Bible and in the Quran um, for a word that used to be translated as pederasty. They changed it to homosexuality uh, because they were trying to um, further uh, stigmatize being gay or okay. being queer. So for control. Um, so what was the word? Yeah. What was the word you used? The original word in the Bible. Pederasty. Pederasty. Okay. And pederasty what is what it was originally translated. Okay. Now, as. what does that actually mean, literally, in the Bible and the Quran? Um, a pederast is somebody who carries on relationships with young boys. So basically someone who rapes young boys. Oh. Um, and so it's speaking out against non-consensual relationships and power dynamics. Okay. Okay. So what, what they've done basically is, is bastardized the word and tainted it and taken it to a different level, right? That wasn't absolutely. there. Right. Okay. okay. In order to condemn people who are absolutely innocent and can practice religion mm. freely and yeah. should be allowed to. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, people that try controlling um, religions and, and faith. Queer Muslims exist. We exist. We exist and we are dealing with our lives every single day. Um, and we just want people to support us instead of invalidate us. We can absolutely have these two identities and they don't conflict regardless of what the modern Western culture has told people there's a rich history of queer voices in Islam. So Jiga, it's been so lovely to speak to you and I hope we stay in touch and have you on the show again very soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for having me on here. And good luck going forward. All right. Thank you so much. You have a good night. The Sheriff Tap Podcast. Bye. 
Benny King and Stand By Me. And um, are you ready, As You've got the news to yourself. Yeah, absolutely fine. As long as the listeners don't mind listening to me for a little bit longer, I'm ready to go. I'm sure you'll be fine. This is Shout Out News on Thursday, 7th of April. Pink News reports that the government has now abandoned plans for its Safe to Be conference that was to have taken place to mark 50 years since the first formal Pride March in London. More than 120 LGBTQI plus and allied organisations had withdrawn from plans for the conference, which has now been ditched in an embarrassment for the government. Paul Brand, reporting for ITV News, said, I understand that the cancellation decision was taken by Equalities Minister Liz Truss rather than the PM. She must have decided conference was pointless given the boycott, but leaves her in a tricky position. I'm told she still supports a ban on trans conversion therapy, but it's left clearing up the mess. After a week of PR disasters for the government over its many U-turns on anti-trans and anti-gay conversion groups, the cancellation has been summarised by some observers as totally souring the relationship between the state and the LGBTQI plus people. Gay human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell spoke for many in the movement when he tweeted that Peter Tatchell Foundation will never accept a conversion therapy ban that does not protect our trans siblings. We support their struggle for reinstatement in the conversion therapy ban. United we stand. And the small number of lesbians who have campaigned against trans women's rights have some serious evaluation to do about the people with whom they associate after anti-trans campaigner Joanne Rowling, who fashions herself JK, mocked police officers during outreach work after the savage murder of a bisexual man. As reported widely in LGBTQI plus media, much-loved community psychiatrist Dr Gary Jenkins was murdered by three heterosexuals who were recently sentenced to lengthy prison terms. The police were keen to raise awareness about public safety in the Welsh capital Cardiff, but Rowling mocked them by apparently implying that they were virtue signalling. Pink News notes that this is a term made up by far right wingers to attack liberals, the left, and anyone who isn't a white male. Newscaster India Willoughby said, even by J.K. Rowling's standards, this is ghastly. She's responding to a tweet by police doing community work after a man was murdered. A lesbian who supports trans rights said, lesbians who back Rowling's vile crusades are shooting themselves in the foot. Rowling claims she wants to defend women-loving women, but clearly she hates our community as much as she hates trans people. The government has decided to privatise Channel 4 Television, which operates several TV networks on digital and cable platforms. The channel is currently publicly owned, but is financed entirely by advertising. Channel 4 was a big news was big news when it launched on 2nd November 1982, coincidentally the anniversary of the first TV station at Alexander Palace in 1936. In those days, there were only three other stations, unless you were very lucky and had early cable distribution systems. Channel 4 was created to cater for minority tastes and despite hounding by the right-wing press, it immediately set out its small, its stall and including women, LGBTQI plus people and people of colour, immigrants, disabled people and gypsy communities in its programming. Although it was not party political, it was clearly the radical choice for many, many years. 
Boy George has led the tributes to Jordan Mooney, who has passed on at the age of 66 after a brief battle with bile duct cancer. Miss Mooney was a figurehead in the 1970s first wave of punk rock modelling for Vivian Westwood and the famous sex shop on the King's Road in London. George described Mooney as a teenage obsession of his when he was growing up absorbing influences, including punk, reggae and glam. Mooney worked with Adam and the Ants in their early days and with the Sex Pistols. Wikipedia lists her as an early innovator of the punk rock aesthetic. Punk was a vital movement in energising women and queer people in music. Mooney was also immortalised in film. In 1978, she played a character named Amal Nitrate after the gay disco drug in gay filmmaker Derek Jarman's brilliant and controversial film Jubilee. In Faith News, the Jewish Chronicle newspaper this week meets up with Orthodox Rabbi Mike Maskowitz and learns how he has campaigned for the inclusion of LGBTQI plus people within the more conservative parts of Judaism. Whilst Reform and Liberal Judaism have long accepted LGBTQI plus people celebrating their lives and blessing their unions, many Orthodox sects are still in an ongoing dialogue on the subject. The rabbi works with a gay-friendly congregation in New York, Beat Simshat Torah. He quotes a Catholic priest who had once said to him, The moment they understand that homosexuality is a non-pathological minority expression of ordinary human desire for intimacy, love and companionship, everything will change. The brilliant musician and singer Emily Sande has revealed that she's in a relationship with a woman, and while she did not want to label her sexuality, said she guessed she would be considered to be bisexual. Sande, who is known for many hit singles, including the club classic Heaven, was reported by LGBTQI plus Newswire Pink News as being happier than ever in love with her new partner. Miss Sande has always been an ally to LGBTQI plus people and has publicly spoken out for equality in countries such as Zambia from where her father hails. And lastly, in sports news, a team founded by our friend Lucy Clark of the Trans Radio Network, Trans Radio UK, has made history. Truck United stepped on the field at Dulwich Dulwich Hamlet Football Club on March 31st, the International Trans Day of Visibility. They took on and were thrashed 7-0 by Dulwich Hamlet women's team. Nevertheless, the real winner was sports itself as the Truck United team was the first all-trans women football team to compete in a football fixture. Gay and lesbian teams have existed for some time, of course, and the whole area of LGBTQI plus sports is growing as queer people overcome boundaries to stake a claim to mainstream sporting and recreation activities. Football legend Peter Crouch was present for the game as he played early in his career at Dulwich. For these new stories and more, we update our website every day, so please visit shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Ezra Peregrine. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Hello. So today we are lucky enough to be joined with Belsky. Hello, Belsky. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. It's wonderful to have you on Shout Out. Um, Belsie's going to be talking to us today about uh, her new uh, performance piece called Blood, Glorious Blood, Celebration of Menstruation. Um, I don't want to say too much. I'd just like to hand it over to you for, for you to tell the listeners exactly what, what that involves. 
Thank you so much. So, yeah, so as um, introduced, my uh, piece is called Blood Glorious Blood, a celebration of menstruation. And the show is all about smashing the stigma around periods, people saying they're disgusting and we can't talk about them. So breaking taboos and sharing funny stories and also a bit of edutainment. So there's some facts in there as well. So the show kicks off with a history of uh, period products. Looking back through history to the first ever reference to a period product um, right up to the present day. And um, one thing I feel very strongly about, which I mentioned in the show, is the gendered language. I'm sure we're all familiar with you go to the shop and you've got these horrible labels, feminine hygiene, which is just so gendered, or sanitary products, which makes it sound like we've all got to be girly and femme and we're unsanitary and dirty. So I don't know if anyone saw in the news in March, Asda in the UK have finally used period care. So one part of the show is about the gendered language because Australia and New Zealand, back in 2020, they already did this. They changed their aisles because, as we know, not all women menstruate and not all menstruators are women. And it's making the language inclusive for trans and non-binary people who Mm. do and don't menstruate. So, yeah, I feel really strongly about the labels there. So that's covered in the history of period care products. So that's done in a very fun way. Which I don't want to plot spoil. Um, The whole show is multimedia. So don't think, oh, this is a stand-up show. It's a person talking in a microphone. Oh, no. So basically, we've got props, costume, comedy character, And also I do something which I call musical mashups, where if you're familiar with like Drag Kings and Boylesque, they take a theme and edit together lots of music tracks and then do ridiculously amazing things with props and costumes. So there is um, one part in the show where I do that. And that's linked to my teenage diary experience. So those of you out there who have ever menstruated, I'm sure you can cast your minds back to when it all began and it was a disaster. So I went back through my teenage diary and was like, oh, my God, there's a theme here. So one of my genres as a performance artist is spoken words. So I've written some poetry sharing my teenage diary disasters. Um, So some of the feedback I've had about the show when I've done it in Brighton and London is it's very relatable. Everyone's Mm. in the audience going, oh, my God. That happened to me, the smiles, the nods, and people come up to me afterwards and tell their stories, and they're like, oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's happened to me. So it really is about no holds barred. This is how it is. We all have these experiences. We leak. We ha- we need products. We haven't got them. So it's got serious parts too. So we also, I also touch on the international global dimension where all the people who menstruate around the world who don't have access to toilets, sanitary period care products, and I share some information about things that are happening around the world and activists. Mm. And, um, and then um, the show kind of comes back to the present day and I'm looking at the representations of menstruation in popular culture. So, for example, film and TV... How often do you see periods mentioned on film and TV? And is it negative? Is it a stereotype? And I've collected together some movie clips. So we have a little bit where we watch the movie clips and we decide if they are positive or not. And we discuss those. We have a little movie section. Um, 
Yes. So there's it's it's like a multimedia, something for everyone and lots of audience interaction. It sounds incredibly immersive and also extremely relatable, probably for everybody um, within that audience for some reason or another. So there will be sort of cisgender heteronormative males who obviously have partners um, who will have in some in some way experience periods. But of course, it's not the same as a lived experience for a trans man or a non-binary person or um, assigned female at birth. Until recently, I haven't seen any positive representation, myself personally, in films or TV, until Red, the new Disney film, and, and Hollyoaks, yeah. who were discussing yeah. period poverty. Um, yeah. within, within this country, um, a young girl's not able to afford sanitary products. Um, and so it, mm. it sounds like you've, you've sort of really researched this. Um, and I was wondering where that kind of want to research came from personal mm. experiences how how does that feel for you to bring so much of yourself to the performance I think when I I think the teenage diary was really hard because I literally went back through I was like oh my god that happened that was horrific but this would have happened to other people mm. and turning it into poetry spoken words is so personal and raw it's like that part of the show where you're being authentically vulnerable authenticity which brings the audience in and it, it was hard and and it's like yeah so that was that's the real meat the real realness of it and then your other question about how I got into this and the research I had a show before this called smashing the hetero patriarchy where I had different sections of feminist issues and I had a small part about menstruation and I started research I was like oh my god this is massive I could do a whole show on this and I was like my god so I had the internalized thing was like who would want to go and see about menstruation show about menstruation are you mad and anyone out there who's a creative, you have no choice what you write about. Your brain's on. It's like, right, here we go. So I was actually writing the show going, standing, like giving out flies going, yeah, show about periods. <laughs> um, so it came from doing like a 10-minute piece in Smashing the Hetero Patriarch and realising there was so much to it. And, and all my shows are academically researched. I'm a real like a journal geek. I'm looking at the socio-political side mm. in particular. Um, so... And also you mentioned earlier about uh, cisgendered heterosexuals and cis men. I do get allies in the show yeah. and they are generally really come up and they say, thank you. I didn't know any of this. Mm. So I really am pro allies. And it's not about preaching to the converted, the stereotypical, of you know, course. like white cisgendered middle class feminists. I want everyone to come in because, like you said, everyone needs to know and be educated and the conversations that you have afterwards. So I think it's. Like you say, the world is moving on with ASDA, um, but I do think it's really important, like we said, with uh, people who are transmasculine, assigned female at birth, non-binary, genderqueer, and how actually traumatic it is for a lot of people to menstruate um, in regards to issues with their gender identity and getting the wider public to understand this. I identify as a lesbian and I'm cisgendered, but when I have conversation with, like, cisgendered heterosexual people they don't even understand the language gender queer trans non-binary so i still think with my activism as a performance artist is getting this information out to people through the medium of performance art and then people go away and go oh my god i need to read more about that she said that word what does that mean i'm not sure so i think it's just that whole little and often drip 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 getting the visibility of our lgbtq plus community out there and you know, people may come to my show, assume that I'm heterosexual, and then you come in, like, like I say, with all the other perspectives that people need to know about. 
We have rapidly come to the to the near the end of the interview. That's gone by so quick. Um, I for one am really really excited, um, and I'd love to come and see it. So, can you tell our listeners how they can do that and what else you're doing this year? Um, because this on its own sounds really exciting, but I know you've got some other stuff ready to rock and roll. Thank you. So, come and see Blood Glorious Blood on the Saturday, the twenty third of April, and it's on at the fabulous Alma Theatre and Tavern in Clifton, Bristol. It's at eight o'clock. Um, tickets are eleven pounds. You can get your ticket at the Alma Theatre website, or the ticketing agent is TicketTaylor.com. But if I can direct everyone to my Instagram, Belsky, which is B E L S Z K I, and in my bio there's a link tree to all my shows. I'm also performing. Blood Blood, glorious blood in Wales in Clandudno, um, as part of Elfest, the lesbian festival, on the 22nd of July. Now, I have actually moved on from menstruation to the menopause. Woohoo! <laughs> so my next show is about the menopause, and I'm performing that in London. Um, actually, it's in Brighton Fringe in May. Then I'm performing it in London on the 17th of June at Two Brewers Clapham, South London. And I'm bringing it to Manchester, the Brewers on Canal Street, on Friday the 14th of October. But all the links are on my Instagram link tree. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you, Bowski, and I, for one, am really excited to come and see your show and to be in that immersive environment and to see what you're doing in the rest throughout the rest of the year. So thank you again and hope to speak to you throughout the year maybe we'll catch up with you again after your next show thank you so much (laughs) bye for now for more information about shout out radio visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt shout out lgbt radio for you the shout out podcast ah Try everything. Absolutely. Shakira says. Yes. And so even when um, an an antelope. Is she an antelope in that film? Zootopia? Shakira and Kelly Clarkson (laughs) getting it on. Well, musically. Of course. Let's not start rumours. Stephifer. I know, right? Um, well, we've come to almost the end almost. of the show. So just the two of us got through it okay. <laughs> There's a song there somewhere. There yeah. is. Do you want to sing it? No. You start. No, thanks. Not right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, with all the negative news yes. going on about... Um, Leaving the tea out of LGBTQI+. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's an awful lot going on um, with the government at the moment, with uh, cis heteronormative yeah. uh, privileged people making massive decisions about the queer community. Yeah, uh, very and impactful decisions. Therapy not included um, for, for trans people, which will always utterly bemuse and anger and sadden me. But yes, but but we're not we're not going to cling on to that, are we? We got some fantastic and great we have. news. What, what is that news? Um, it's. Um, Ariana Grande. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Is it 1.5 million? It is. Is, it, um, is that in dollars or pounds? Uh, dollars. Yes, it is. 1.5 million dollars um, is what Ariana Grande has pledged uh, for trans youth. And uh, the Independent has uh, stated there are hundreds of disgraceful bills pending in state legislature that targets trans youth and aims to curb their rights. Uh, So that's an Ariana Grande quote um, from the amazing woman herself. And uh, in an Instagram post on Trans Day of Visibility, the 28-year-old musician said she would match contributions 
donations made to 18 organisations that provide direct help for trans people in the US, amounting to a total fundraising goal of three million, which is the equivalent of 2.2 million British pounds. Wow! She she has always been a, a massive supporter of the LGBTQI plus community, and uh, a lot of um, a lot of the people that absolutely adore her are within that community. I think they feel very much so going to her shows is a safe queer space, and um, she's also close friends with Miley Cyrus, who is uh, pansexual. Um, and they, they've uh, they did a little collab together, which was lovely. I have a cover, cover of a song I can't remember now. But uh, yeah, I just think with everything that's going on in the world, for somebody as famous as Ariana to stand up and, and say, do you know what, I need to do something, um, it is pretty incredible. And the timing just couldn't have been better. Um, she, she's always talked about protecting and defending trans youth. Um, and, and how important that is. She's linked in with Miley Cyrus's charity, I think it's called Smiley, um, which is an LGBTQI plus homelessness charity foundation that she, um, that she made to support the homeless people who are literally homeless because they're LGBTQI+. Is that a Smiley Miley? Smiley Miley, yeah. And actually, if you do want to check out some of Smiley Miley's merchandise, I believe most of the profits go go to the LGBTQI plus um, homeless charity that she, that she uh, that she brought to fruition. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, check out Ariana Grande's Instagram because not only is she an incredibly talented, beautiful woman, but there's also a lot on there that will sort of coincide with everything that we're sharing with you today, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed this emergency show. <laughs> <laughs> Sound the alarm. Uh, yeah, indeed. But w- hopefully we'll be back as normal next week. Well, as normal as we can be. for you.